thanks for coming and uh, chatting with me today. Dude, of course. Thanks for having me, man. This is sick. How, how's everything going? What have you been working on lately? Um, a bunch of stuff. Um, so I'm about to start working on, um, I got hired to play on this, uh, this score for this TV show. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say which one it is, but it's like this cool, like video game adaptation. So I'm excited about starting that. Uh, I just finished doing uh, bass for the Ever Fourth Right record, which is have you ever heard Ever Fourth yeah. Right? They're like yeah. So yeah, they're old. They're not old, but you know they've been around for a minute. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've just been doing a lot of session work. Um, actually, today Aaron sent me the first like demos for some new music, so okay. I'm gonna start working on some new interval stuff too. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it, man. All right. The, when was the last intervals? Was that last year? Right. The last record came out uh, November 2020. Okay. So, so probably almost, about time for yeah, another almost, one then. Yeah, yeah, we we yeah we did a little, a little touring cycle and now we're um, yeah we're off for a, yeah I think we're off until um, I mean I think I want to say yeah spring maybe okay but uh, yeah we got something we got something in the hopper that's gonna be really cool okay cool yeah I I don't know if I've caught intervals ever when they've come through here when you guys come through. oh no next time you can make it over over here i'll make sure i go <laughs> yeah for sure dude. uh <laughs> who were you touring with last like on this uh tour? so the last tour we did it was only like a three-day thing it was all makeup shows okay. for from because like we did a our our headliner for that record or is it there it is um <laughs> um and we only had to cancel one show and it was our hometown show at oh, the no. end of the tour. Yeah, it was just, you know, regulations went back up. Okay. The crazy regulations went back up in Canada, so we had to cancel our Toronto show. So this tour we um this last tour we did was just like a three show thing where we just did like London, Ottawa, and okay. Toronto. And um it was with us, this really cool band called um um oh what are they called? I completely forgot their name. Um Wow, I'm blanking on their name. Yeah. But it's um so this guy, it's um James LeBray, his son's band. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they're really really cool. Oh, they're they're like yeah, this like kind of like modern metal type. Yeah, they're really 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 great band. I dig them a lot. I completely forgot their name. Um and then we did um Mandroid Echo Star okay. open Echo Star open for us, which was really 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 cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So yeah. when you get like oh they're called the fall set the fall no, set okay <laughs> yeah I'll have to check, check it out because uh, yeah. you know I was a dream theater fanboy back in the day yeah uh, I think a lot of us probably were in this in this scene but yeah um, <laughs> so when you get uh, session work like this movie or this uh, TV show thing is that mm-hmm. are you recording it all yourself usually yeah like, yeah you have to out? yeah yeah I um what I'll normally do is I'll yeah I'll just get the track. And um, I have my own little recording set up right here. And um, I'll, what I'll normally do for clients is I'll either send them just the raw DI if that's what they just want, or I'll send them the DI and then I'll send them like a demo tone. Cause yeah, yeah. I, you know, a lot of people who hire me want the, the that sound, you know, like the, the parallax kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So um, I'll send them like a reference tone or I'll send them the preset and then that'll be that. But yeah, I feel like, especially in this like niche genre, you know, where fortunately there's work, which is awesome, yeah. but you got to be able to, you know, track it yourself and, you know, do everything DIY if you want to benefit from it, really. Do you do I mean, that with intervals? Is that with intervals as well? Do you do it yourself? Um, you so with intervals, 
Uh, for intervals, we it's Aaron. Well, that's like not really session work. That's, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's different. Yeah, yeah. But um, this for for Circadian, we um, I tracked all the I tracked every song. Like, just did demo versions of it because I wasn't able to go into Canada because of COVID oh, regulations. So the Sam Guyana, the the engineer and the guy who makes it mastered it or mixed it was just a bit concerned not because he didn't you know he was just like oh man like there's one guy who's not going to be recording with us like i'm kind of nervous about that so i just sent him my my demos and stuff like that and he saw the di's and and how i edited everything together and he's like okay this is fine so i actually ended up going to my friend sam harchick who's in the band called aviations and we tracked all the bass together um but yeah realistically if i had to i could just do everything from here yeah yeah I think it, you know, it, it's so different now than it used to be. You don't have to like drag everyone to a studio and pay a bunch of money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I love, dude, I, I really like getting hot. Like when somebody, you know, can actually wants to go, me to go into the studio with them and like work with me on bass lines. It's really fun. I yeah. love co- collaborating like that. But, you know, on a track like yours, you know, it's just you send it over. I start it, finish it, you know. By lunch, I'm all I'm all good, yeah, yeah. you know. But I mean, it's nice for yeah. someone like me too, because then you know, it's like I'm on the other side of the country. What are you supposed to do? So like, yeah, exactly. Like, I, like fly exactly. someone over for one single, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, that's what we do for intervals, and but yeah, but a majority of the stuff that I do, it's just, just right, right here. Yeah, and it, it's it is really nice. You can lessen the cost of doing, especially if you're doing your own music. You know, enough to like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have this project called Gia that um, is coming out in um, sometime 2023, and the whole record was written over quarantine, and all of us, including the drums. Uh, so Nathan Bulla from Intervals played drums on it, and he did everything. Um, he lives in he lives in like a old really old house, and he converted uh, what used to be like. I think his grandmother's basement into like a full drum room and he like drilled holes in the floor and put overheads in the room (laughs) above. Yeah, no, dude, he, it sounds amazing. It sounds so sick. So yeah, we did all of us did everything from our bedrooms or basements or whatever. It's all, it it was all done, you know, like that. Yeah. Drums are the one tricky thing for sure. Um, Obviously it's nice to have the option of having decent sounding program drum these days, but if you yeah. can find a drummer who has his own setup, like that's ideal. But <laughs> yeah, Nate's a Nate is um, very much jack of all trades in terms of, you know, he's not just a drummer. Like he's very much knowledgeable in terms of like making the drums sound good. He could set he set everything sets everything up himself. Can give you like a nice decent drum mix if you want. You know, because like when we did that, I like made the demo mixes and I have no idea how to actually mix drums. So Nathan just sent me a little, you know, some track of everything together. And um, it sounded great in for for the demo purposes. So, yeah, he's yeah, super, super talented, dude. Yeah. Mix mixing is a whole nother uh, level that I mean, I've I've spent the last couple of years kind of, you know, spending some time on it because I thought it was worth it for sure for doing your own, you know, for making your own things. But it's a it's its own you know full time job, kind of. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I can imagine. I I need to dedicate more time to getting better at that stuff and not just being able to make bass sound really good. <laughs> hey, I mean, but it works, right? It's fine. Now, if you make your own demos, do you do you ship that out to get mixed, or you just kind of like? Yeah, yeah. So this EP that that my, this project Gia is doing, uh, Simon Grove is mixing it. Oh well, there you go. It's gonna sound great. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. He sent me. He sent me. Um, 
what he sent me so far sounds absurd. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, they, they, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's least, also yeah. got his own bass plug-in, just like you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're both just, you know, our uh, our bass tones will be here long after we, yes. uh, long after we are. So I've been using Umansky bass on like demos. Yeah, that's how I that's how I like discovered like your your stuff as you were like one of the main guys that was using it and I was yeah, it was really really cool to see. Well, I have a bass and so, you know, I see that. as much as often as I can and I feel like doing it I'll record real bass cuz it just, you know, it sounds better. Um, but sometimes it's a demo and you get, you know, you're lazy or whatever and it's like I'm just going to throw this on Instagram like I don't care. <laughs> I'm going right. to use use virtual bass. Um, and I'd been using a couple other ones, but I saw Umansky bass, and I've used some other submission audio stuff. So I picked it up, sure. and I was like, "Yeah, this is this is good." <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't, I've, I haven't heard a virtual bass that sounds as good. Like, yeah, dude, thank thank you, I, I appreciate that. We put in like a hundred hours into that thing. It was it was a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot of work. And it's the, I mean, it's the sound of it overall, but also the flexibility of it and all the different articulations you can do. It's crazy, like. Um, yeah. cause I can't thump, um, on bass, right. you know? So like anytime I, if I wrote something that has that in it, it's like, what am I supposed to do? You know, <laughs> so, but yeah, I can no, go I'm... in there and it takes a long time, but you can program each, you know, thumb hitter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when we, um, when we initially did the, like when we were talking about the UI and all the features and stuff like that, we were very much like, okay, what, what are we going to do to separate this from? you know, what submission has done and what any other, you know, sample library has, has done before. And I, I was very adamant about including the thumping thing. And they were just like, well, isn't that just like slapping? You're like, no. And I was like, no, that thumping is like, there's a completely different sound. It's more muted. So what I, what I asked them to do is like, if we could do this, like thump sound, which is like the mute, you do a little bit of a mute with your left hand. And then you do the upstroke or the, the downstroke, which is like a traditional slap thing. And then you do the upstroke and then you do an index and middle pop. Yeah. And, um, and so they're like, okay, cool. We need to see if that we can fit all that. And once I got the green light, um, and we almost didn't even do it. Like we were, we were tracking everything and we, we got everything done like a day ahead of schedule. So we spent another day just doing all the thump articulations and it's like the main thing that people use it for now. It's like one of the main, um, you know, perks of the plugin. And, you know, we, I have like animals as leaders using it on like five songs in their set awesome. now. And, um, yeah, just seeing, you know, guys like you, when you sent me your, your demo, I was like, Hey, that's, that's super sick. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really cool. But, um, yeah, we put a lot of time into that. Yeah, no, it's great. I love things that are flexible like that because it's like if I if I'm gonna use virtual instruments, which you kind of have to at some point, it's like I want to at least be able to do the things that are that I'm hearing in my head and have them come out somewhat realistic sounding. Right. Exactly. exactly. And like I totally understand the the physical uh, how you thump. You know, I just I just can't really do it myself. But like I understand like yeah, sure. okay, these are the patterns or whatever. So if if I if I can do that, I can go in and, and get it kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm just gonna turn my oh, my iPad keeps like making like weird noises. Give me one sec. Those are no notifications. Yeah, I turned my I turned my volume off and it kept and it kept going. So now I'm just yeah, throwing it over there. Yeah, I know. On uh, <laughs> on my song, I did a uh, I I do this thing where they call like fake thumping, where it just it's basically just hybrid picking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I I I I, I kind of heard that and um, 
Yeah, it was very, and what you did on the bass section was really, really cool too. I, um, I kind of did a, a hybrid of what, what I ended up doing like a hybrid of what you, um, what you ended up programming and then just like actually doing some real thumping stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what was, so, I'm yeah, just I'm wondering what was different between like how I'd written it and what you would actually so, do. So what you did was mainly just like lots and lots of dead notes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, tick, 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 like, and it was all just like dead notes. Whereas what I did was kind of just, um, I more or less just doubled what you were doing on the guitar, yeah. but did it with actual notes rather than just dead notes. Cause I find, and I found that the animals as leaders guys did that too. A lot of their, um, a lot of the, the bass stuff that they do like for thumping sections, it's not even like real it's not even like there's no note there it's yeah. just like a either like a timbre it's like a sound or, yeah basically or a sound yeah and that's what like they came to me uh especially their front of house guy they were just like hey can you we need something better than what we have going on now so so yeah that's that's kind of what i i did it's just more of just i did what you did but instead of just that you know timbre that like thumpy sound yeah. i actually put some note behind it okay so you are you then actually like pushing and fretting the note and then or is it like partly muted pushing and for um uh, no 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 so i'm completely so what i it do is muted, but is you're I, over a certain note yeah so okay. what i'll do is i'll i'll fret the note and then with my middle finger you i mute, mute the okay. string a little bit and then you do the full-on okay. thumb thing okay. yeah i i mean i do usually at least when i notate it and stuff i will notate a specific note you know f to be muted whether yeah, that yeah, actually yeah. sounds, I don't know, but it's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, figuring out how to get that to sound convincing, especially in a sample library, was was difficult, and getting it to translate. And the big, yeah, and the biggest thing is like um, velocity. Yeah. Um, because like you want the accents to come out. Um, uh, like you have that in your section, I'm trying to like scat. It's like, or I can't even do that that really fast. But um, yeah, getting those to come out and getting it to to translate well, uh, especially in like a programmed library is really difficult. But yeah, those sections were hard, dude. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> I, I definitely recorded it in parts, at least on, on my end for the one faster one. Um, okay. It's one of those weird, uh, I, I'm trying to under describe how the rhythm works. It's I've heard it called shifting gravity centers one time. So basically yeah, it's like yeah. you have a certain numbers and you just increase each one by a certain amount, but mm -hmm. you leave it within the same amount of space. And so you end up with something that's faster, but interesting. It's very, it's real nerdy. Yeah. I mean, dude, I really like the track because it was like, it's like one of those, you know, it's a progressive metal tune, but it's not like one of these songs where you just keep introducing new information and more new information and there's nothing for the listener to, to grasp onto. And I, I, pre I say that so many times in when people ask me about like what, what my favorite or like why, like what I think is like the definition of like a good progressive metal song. It's just like, you know, you introduce a certain amount of information and then what follows is just different things that are pulled from. Yep from that it's yeah so I, I thought that was really cool because like you have that first initial thumping section and then you kind of go off and do a more crazier variation of it and then you go back to your chorus and then you finish it off the on the the crazy thumping thing so it's yeah it's really cool and then you go back and introduce that um that little descending line up yeah, yeah. so yeah thematically and like 
like uh structurally yeah, it's a really cool song so oh, i was, appreciate yeah. it I, yeah, that's something i i think about a lot when i when writing mm-hmm. prog and like in a lot of the lessons i do i talk about this it's like people think of prog as just being like a bunch of ideas stitched together con- yeah continuously with no direction yeah, i hate that and I, sometimes in certain sections that can be cool for you know whatever yeah. But, but overall, at least for myself, it's like if I, I want to introduce some sort of motifs, rhythm, melodic, whatever it is, and then I can develop those smaller ideas into bigger things, you know, throughout the song. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, it's definitely like the thing that I, I think the only band that I'm very much like, okay, do whatever you want and I will love it unconditionally is probably like Between the Buried and Me. Oh, yeah where you know they because they're very very good at one thematic development they're you know everything happens for a reason but they're also very good at that like tongue-in-cheek you know like proggy for the sake of being proggy kind of thing and like it's weird because i you know i used to be like a diehard bt band fan like 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 you know kind of yeah they were my favorite and they still are one of my favorite bands but um you know I don't listen to them as much as I used to, but yeah, it just, they just used to be, they're just such a huge part of me developing my, my sound one as a bass player, but just also introducing me into the proggy stuff. Um, but yeah, now I'm more like to listen to stuff that's more, um, I'm trying to think of a good word. Like, yeah, like more structurally, I don't know. I think there's a time and a place for all that, for all the crazy proggy stuff. And I think Between the Buried and Me is absolutely the band that does it better than anybody else. But um, yeah, like structurally, structure-wise and and th- and like thematic, like, or uh, what's a good way to put it? Like thematically, you know, there's a certain amount of information that I like to introduce into a song and then everything else is just pulled from there. And the same thing goes for like writing bass lines too. Um, like if I'm, if I'm presented with a song like yours, for example, like yours you know, you have a chorus that I think repeats once or twice, and then it happens one more time at the end. Yeah. So the first two times they're pretty much like chill. I do the, I just play the roots and, you know, don't do anything fancy. And on that last one, I'm like, okay, cool. This is like the finale. So I'll add some kind of cool fill or outline a chord yeah. that I didn't do before just to kind of say like, Hey, it's the last time this is happening. Like, you know, this is all we got. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely follow that kind of rule when it comes to not just writing songs, but like writing bass parts too. Yeah, no, and that was like my one of my favorite parts that you do is the very end. There's that one ascending sort of like melodic run. Um, yeah, yeah, just outline chords. Yeah, and and that's why <laughs> that's why I'd recommend people you hire you can if you have the resources to hire a professional to do the parts. Um, yeah, well, that's the thing, man. You can you could it could sound like me, but. Or, you know, it could sound like the guy that you're going to hire, yeah. but you're not going to write like that person. Exactly. Yeah. And like, I barely changed anything you wrote, though. Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> I feel comfortable writing bass parts overall, but but there are like little things like that that I might not do because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not thinking like a bass player when I'm making a full song. I'm thinking about kind of the song as a whole, you know. Um, yeah. But when you get an individual, like if I had that with drummers, too, if I hire drummers to play songs, it's like I'll give them freedom here or there to do whatever they want. But the grooves are pretty solid but then they'll come in and do something cool you know and i was like well i would never thought of that and it can add a lot to and i kind of miss being in in a band like that where you kind of feed off of each other um yeah so i find that it's hard to be with like progressive metal stuff i find that it's 
I don't know. I, I've you very rarely. I mean, just from my experience, you don't really have a lot of bands that go into a room and write stuff together. You know, it's usually everyone writes their things on the laptop, and then it makes its way. What makes its rounds through Dropbox, and then everyone just adds their own stuff. Yeah. And I, and I, I definitely miss that because, like, I was in bands in college where I would, just, you know, it was not as complex stuff, and we would just sit down and in a room and write together. Um, and I guess the equivalent of that now is you know, opening up a Zoom session and uh, having everybody have the Pro Tools thing open or someone have their Pro Tools session open and, you know, everyone's just kind of like throwing their ideas at one person and then we're trying to execute as good as, as well as we can, um, which is really fun too. But um, but yeah, there's something about just writing in a room with, a, you know, with people that, that you know, you can't really uh, get that anywhere else. But yeah. like I was saying, like with, the progressive metal stuff. I, it's just like, it's like, if you write something, it's like, Hey, how about this? What about this? And then you write this crazy riff and the next person who has to, it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. I can definitely play that, but I need a week to yeah. figure it out. <laughs> in fact, um, I actually write most of my music into a notation software first. Yeah, sure. That's why I had like the sheet music for you <laughs> to send to you. Um, I don't know if you even looked at that, but, um, nope. <laughs> which is fine everyone learns yeah. differently but yeah right, right i was right. like i had it i was like oh, i might as well send it just in case honestly respect that is that is really useful but i yeah and so that's what happens to me is like i'll write something i'll kind of try it out or whatever and be like okay yeah I, I can play that but then i'll finish mm -hmm. writing it and it's like i'll just have to figure out how to actually do it once it's time to record you know sure um which is kind of weird be like i'm humanly capable of doing this just not yet <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah give me I, some time. I i i got yeah, that's 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 definitely that's definitely it. So I got into the notation. Oh yeah, sorry. Oh no, no, go for it. No, I just got into the no notation stuff super late. So everything I write, I would just write either on guitar or bass, and then I would just splice everything together. I I never bothered like, you know, getting good at Guitar Pro until a couple of years ago. So I'm very late to that game. But yeah, I totally totally get what you're saying. Yeah, I had like the I had a, like a traditional um, music school education. You know, doing classical. Actually, yeah, so we're using guitar. like Sibelius. Yeah, like I did Sibelius for a long time, and then Guitar Pro. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually have a classical yep. guitar degree, so like I can sign read and do you know all that kind of stuff too. So uh, it's just kind of how I feel comfortable. But I always tell people it's like whatever works for you to like get the stuff out. It's like if you have to read the music, great. If you can do it by ear, that's probably even better. But yeah, I mean, look, like having the ability to read music is extremely useful, even in oh, mists. Yeah. Like, and I, and I can, I can read like, I, I, again, music degree too, but, um, I definitely, you know, in my line of work, like sight reading and it's all the stuff that comes with that is, is not really, no. you know, they'll, they'll send you something and Aaron will send me something like when I join intervals and he's like, Hey, here's the song, uh, learn the bass part. And I did my methods, which is mainly, I have a pretty good ear. So I learned everything by ear, um, made some stuff my own, um, and that was really it. And I, another thing I did was just like, look at videos of other people playing the music on YouTube, Vi looked at videos of Simon, uh, when he was touring with him and then that was it. But, um, but you know, having that ability to, you know, let's say Nathan, Nathan will say like, Hey, this comes in on the end of three or something like that. Or, and you, and you have no idea what that means, you know, then you're, you know, that's, that's a problem. So having that ability to kind of like, you know, speak that language is super important. Yeah. Well, at least there needs to be some sort of common language if you're especially if you're playing with people live it's like yeah you gotta make sure you're, you know, you're hitting this part right or 
and all of that. Exactly. Um, I, I found that, at least for me, the the way of writing into notation software, it's it's not something a lot of people do. I don't think in this style of music, but I've been able to like come up with rhythms and stuff that I almost like I couldn't probably even hear what they'd sound like unless I was able to notate it and play it back. Sure. Um, like if it's really complicated stuff. Um, whether like, cause sometimes things are just too complex and you don't even, you can't even reproduce them right away. So you need to hear them back first before <laughs> to know yeah. if they'll even work. Um, but it's cool. It, it's, it's, I don't know, whatever, as I said, it works for me. So, um, mm. but w so it's like, if you're learning a song like it's for mine, for instance, how long does it take you to kind of figure out all the parts and then record? Um, I'll kind of do, I'll kind of do it like simultaneously. Um, I'll usually spend, if you send me the song one day, I'll usually won't start it for a while. Like, like I'll take a couple days to just listen to it unless it's like a very like, Hey, I need this by tomorrow. Then that's fine. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I'll usually take a day or two to just, you know, I'll listen to it at the gym. I'll, I'll, you know, just when I'm doing grocery shopping, I'll just listen to it, get familiar with the structure. And that way when I'm actually learning the parts and, and writing my parts, I can, you know, find out you know, where to build certain things and where to add certain things. And then, um, I'll just sit down, I'll learn a section at a time. Like I'll, I learned the first intro, tracked it, um, learn the chorus, then tracked it right after. And like, if there's something crazy, like the thumping section, right. I'll, I'll learn that like one day I'll get it under my fingers if I'm cool with it, which is it can happen. It can happen. Then I'll just track it that day. And if not, I'll get it under my fingers a little bit more. Um, and if I'm still, and if I can't get it all in one take or something like that, I'll just punch in certain things. There's definitely stuff I punched in during that. Oh yeah, it's fine. I did it too. But, um, <laughs> I did some copy pasting in there too. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I have no, I have absolutely zero ego about that. It's just all about, um, you know, if I, if I would need to splice something in for the sake of the fact that, it needs to get done in a certain amount of time and I have other things I got to do. If I can get it to sound great and I could just punch something in, it's fine. But, um, but yeah, so it, I just, I'll usually just take a couple days to learn a song or, uh, to, to get it in my ear, know the structure, and then I'll sit down, um, and I'll start learning the parts. And if it's something that isn't too tricky, like the a majority of the song, besides that thump section, yeah, I was exactly. able to just bang out really quickly. Um, I'll just learn it. Um, track it. And then once I have those sections tracked, I'll kind of comb over it and I'll listen to, um, I'll kind of just dive deeper into other layers, like some synth stuff and, and guitar lead stuff to see if I could find any cool unison lines yeah, yeah. or any, anything where I could do some co cool, like contrabundal based stuff. Um, and yeah, once I'm done combing over it, it's, it's pretty much just, I'll send it over to you. And then if you have any other questions, comments, thoughts, revisions, then that's it. But yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty, you know, laid back process. I, you know, there's, I've worked with a couple of, um, people where it's, they're very, very specific. And I had this one guy actually who sent me like, I sent him a track and I crushed it. Like I did a great yeah. job. And then he's like, yeah, this sounds great. But like, can you just play? And he would send me a video of him <laughs> going, doing this. He was like, a, it was like a selfie of him like this, right? And he'd be like, hey, can you do this? I'm like, uh, they're like, literally, like, there's no pitch. Yeah. He's just like scatting out. And, you know, you know, 
I did what I thought he wanted. And luckily that was it. But there were definitely moments where he's like, he would send me another video and he'd be like, no, not like banana. It'd be like, banana. I'm like, okay, cool. That's very specific. Yeah. Yeah. But again, music is a language. You gotta gotta understand. No, but it, but yeah, usually it's a pretty lax, pretty, pretty relaxed process. Like the whole revision thing. If I need to do revisions for people, but yeah. I say, yeah, if, I, I, yeah. if you're gonna hire someone to play, like first of all, you probably should want their sound at least a little bit, but also you need to be specific about what you want in general. Like, yeah, um, no, if you want revisions, like that's cool, but like if you have a specific fill in my and and granted, like this dude didn't didn't know a lot of theory, yeah. didn't know a lot. Of, so the fact that he scattered it and like, because I don't honestly, I don't think a lot of like people would have the, because it looked silly. But I I kind of knew what he was going for, and I, I sent him something back, and he was, like, you know, fine with it. But, um, so I do give him credit, because he had, like, this vision of what he wanted, and he wasn't going to settle, so that's kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, no, I do appreciate if, if someone would, if, like, hey, I like, can you play a fill like this? And, like, if you don't have a bass, just play it on guitar, and then I'll, Try you know, trans, yeah, do something close to that. But, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. How Some often do are, you mm-hmm. get stuff from like metal guitarists, especially who don't play bass, which is like either almost impossible to play on bass or just like insanely hard because it's um, doubled. It happens, but a lot of the time, what I'll do is I'll normally take like the like I'll just call. Do you listen to the faceless? Oh yeah, yeah. So I'll usually take the faceless approach, which is their bass player Brandon back in the day. Um, I just, I just know this because like I've had, I had to learn their whole discography when I played with them for like eight weeks. (laughs) Um, but so a lot of what he did was like, if there was a guitar player, if there was a crazy guitar line, like a crazy riff, he wouldn't always double the guitar. He would do some unison lines and then just outline the chord progression. And that made everything sound so much bigger and so much cooler. And because it's like, you have this dope riff and then you have you know, something going really cool going on under it that isn't so obviously just the guitar being doubled by the bass. So that's usually what my approach will be. I'll usually, you know, take the riff and I will learn it, but I'll learn it really slow just to kind of see what's going on. Um, and then I'll learn the progression that the riff is outlining. And then I'll, I'll kind of try to write something that's weaving in and out of, of that. So you can get, and again, there's, there's unfortunately moments and riffs where I have to double exactly what the guitar is doing and that's fine. Yeah. You know, it just takes, it's it an takes extra some challenge, time. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like we have this song called Vanta Black, which is literally the most impossible thing to play on bass, but <laughs> you know, we did it. It's all good. Yeah. But, but yeah, my, my go-to thing for stuff like that, um, is to write more stuff that outlines the guitar. Not not because I can't play it, but just because I prefer, I think that sounds cooler. I think it fills in the space and serves the purpose as the bass a bit more. Like I just did, um, there's a lot of that on, you know who Dan Sugarman is? Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, so I, I just played on Dan's next record and there was a lot of just crazy shred riffs. And I, I you know, I do this. It's, it's technically you're dumbing it down when you're, when you're, when you're writing bass stuff like this, because you're not, you know, you're not doubling the guitar, you're playing less notes. And, but general, the general reaction for that, for when I do that is like, Whoa, this sounds so sick. Like, what are you doing over that? I'm like, cool. I'm just doing less, man. <laughs> playing half as many but notes as you Yeah, are. I'm being a bass player. Yeah. I, I, that's great. Cause 
I'm I'm always been a big fan of bass being its own instrument. You know, it's like yeah. so often in in metal, it's like bass doubles guitar and that's it. <laughs> you know, or a lot or people think like yeah. that anyway. Um, I mean, there's great there's 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 nothing wrong with that, no. but there's so many cool like I think like the first time I saw that was like Pantera, where Rex Brown because it, it's just him and Dime, so he has to when Dime takes a solo like he's got to fill in that space yep. or like you know when there's like they're playing a riff and there's like a little crazy lead in that riff you know he won't duplicate that lead he'll keep going with the progression he'll do like these really cool like walking lines yeah and that's that's something that i i love same thing with like um like you listen to necrophages the faceless between the buried and me a lot of a lot of those bass lines they're just crazy walking walking bass lines and i think that's really really cool yeah because i mean it, it is possible right for the bass to play really crazy shred runs but yeah honestly if they do that like they, it seems cool in theory but a lot of times you end up losing a lot of that like low end you lose a lot of the sort of yeah like i saw um like i i'm really big fan of the new lorna shore record um and um i saw their bass player um i listened to the record and there's definitely moments where he's just duplicating like just doubling the guitar straight up and it sounds awesome but a lot of those crazy crazy shred riffs a lot of it is just, again just like root notes and then just playing some of the riff yep which serves the song a thousand times better yeah so much better yeah just like catch part like catch the parts that you can that sound good back to the root notes like yeah. yep exactly exactly and the cool the cooler thing is if you can if you can play the root and then play a, a unison line and then have some way for that unison line to lead back into a root note or like, you know, play into the next chord. Yeah. Then you sound really smart. Yeah. Then it might be like, <laughs> it might be in harmony with the guitars or it might, you know, yeah, move yeah, in, yeah. Parallel or contrary motion. You know, note. you know, you know. I know. I've written enough bass parts that, yeah. <laughs> well, I came across the same thing because I started recording bass for myself. And I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, I can't, like, these are some of these parts are physically like almost impossible for me to play on bass. I can do it on guitar. But not on bass. It's like okay, well, let's come up with a way to kind of you know simplify here and there where it makes sense. Right. Yeah. So I was wondering, back to the Umansky bass. Mm -hmm. What is the sampling process like for that? It seems like that would be really time intensive. and yeah. Detailed. So I can't talk. I legally like can't. Oh, okay. Go into like too much detail yeah, about yeah, yeah. it. They have like a very. But I will say, it took. Um. It took, I don't know if it took a hundred hours, but it definitely took around a hundred hours to do everything. That sounds about right. And um, yeah, it's very much like they built a layout for me and they gave me everything I needed to, to do. Uh, the only annoying part was that, well, it was all annoying. I hated it. Just <laughs> But um, the only stressful part was that all the guys are in Australia. So we would do like eight hours of work. They would wake up and then tell us we had to redo them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> two hours of work <laughs> and like, yeah, that was kind of rough, but again, it's, it's so cool. It's just so cool to see people like you and like anybody else that I see using the plugin in, in such a cool, unique way. Um, my whole, my whole thing was like, oh man, it would be really cool to get animals using this, using this. And then there was just one night where, uh, I don't know. I think I was, I think I was talking to Tosin just about how the the bass on KFO is literally just a pitch down guitar going through like a bass, a bass amp. Yeah. And uh, when their front of house guy played it for me, I was like, 
whoa because it, it was rough yeah. but it sounds amazing you know it, you know it and works that's in a case context, with a lot, but yeah exactly that's the thing with a lot of bass tracks like they sound like garbage on their own but in the mix they sound brilliant but that so it sounded rough and uh their their front of house guy was at, you know was very adamant on hey can you can you do this and i was very much like i would love to <laughs> so on our first uh yeah there we had like um i woke up early one morning and i just pro i i don't know i sat on i glued myself to the bench in our bus and i was just like like no one was on the bus so i just like laid out just doing this for three hours and i programmed all the bass to kfo by ear and um just because i was like so excited yeah. like oh i hope they i hope they could use it <laughs> and then uh they used it and um i i watched them during sound check and there was this one section where um yeah there's this one section where it's like super riff super riffy and like I was, I knew that it would hit, like one of them would make, like make a face when that section hit. And I, and I, and I was watching them play. And as soon as that section came in, I just saw Toast and like, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was so sick. So like shit like that makes the whole hundred hours that it took completely worth it. But yeah, it was, yeah, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if I'll ever do anything like that again. Record, like recording real bass for Animals as Leaders Live? Or was it yeah, always for sure. Be? Yeah. Or is no, it just easier I, to program it? Oh yeah, I would absolutely I would absolutely do that for sure. But just you know, there is there was like two weeks left yeah. on the tour and it would take me two weeks to do you know, to get it to sound the way I wanted it to sound, whereas this was like, hey and and especially because there were certain things where um like when I, I did um what what was the song? Um I did Ectogenesis. Do you know that one? Yeah. Yeah. So the there's that one section that that whole thing yeah. and um i did it uh and then they played during sound check and garsko was like uh this race rhythm's not right and i like my heart like sunk to my chest I'm like oh fuck fuck, fuck. <laughs> and then um i went to their green room after and i was like hey dude what wasn't what 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 do i need to fix and he's like oh yeah this this is a dotted 30 second and i'm like oh my god okay cool okay and then I like he, he would know of all people but <laughs> oh no he's yeah he's a psycho but um yeah so i fixed that and and, and again it's and that's why it's like easier because you know if i had taken the time to actually physically learn it i would have caught that but you know it was just like okay cool i could just go in drop change it real quick, you know yeah. drag this over a half half a whatever and then it'll be fine but yeah i would love to track bass for them you know i did um i did tosin's neural dsp plugin uh, the track for that oh, okay. when that came out. So yeah, I definitely would like to, you know, if they ever need bass, be cool, but you know, they're, they got robo me for now. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. To, that's a really f fun idea of you programming something, but it's you <laughs> at the same time. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah. Going. It's so weird. And it was so funny. Cause when we first started, when, um, when we were doing this and we were tracking it, I was like, Huh. I don't know actually how I don't actually know how to use this kind of stuff. I don't I'm like why would I ever program bass? Yeah, yeah. Or use uh or use articulations or force keys. I I had no idea. So I spent weeks just you know programming the most complex stuff I could. Like I programmed some interval stuff. I programmed I fully programmed uh this track I did with Josh De La Victoria and Joseph Anajar mm -hmm. just just for fun. And then I ended up using it in a tutorial video, which was good. Nice. But um but yeah, I just I just to 
get it under my fingers just because I have, you know, yeah, I have people being like, Hey, how do I do this? And I, you know, if it's my plugin and I say, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I can't, not really the best look, but it's really cool. And it's definitely, um, you know, if, if I'm on tour, which I was and, um, Sam Jacobs, who's in my other band sent me a riff and I wanted to send him something back. I'm just stuck on the bus. Yeah. I just be like, okay, cool. Here's how I would sound over that. And then yeah. easy. De- yeah. Technology is, it's so useful for, for modern. Yeah. They got to make a better one for guitar though. They do. The The best one I've found is, is one called shreddage. But yes. Yeah. That's yeah. There's actually some, works, but... there's actually some MIDI guitar that made it onto my record. Oh really? That's nice. on shreddage. Yeah. Just layers and stuff. Nice. But yeah, actually I've been, uh, I have my whole next full album written and I've been doing full virtual mock-ups of every song. That's sick. An interesting way. Cause like, it kind of keeps me from having to learn the stuff right away and I can send mm-hmm. it out to other musicians or whatever. And it mm-hmm. it actually sounds pretty good. You know, it sounds far superior just to just like MIDI sounds. Yeah. Um, just throw like one of the neural plugins on yep. there and you're good. Yeah. Good to go. Have the heavy Mansky bass on it, you know, get good drums with like all the processing already pre-done. And it's like, <laughs> it's so funny, dude. It's like literally just, these are, they're just full on bands of just MIDI. Yeah. Intro- yeah. Cause it's like, someone will send me, um, like I'll get tagged in something where it's like, it's like shreddage with, with, um, I don't know. What's a good example. It's like shreddage with archetype Gojira, Umansky bass and then mix wave Luke Holland. So it's like <laughs> it's, it's like just... the dude from Gojira, me and Luke Holland just playing whatever this crazy musician wrote. Yeah. You know, it's, that's the shit I love getting tagged in that because it's so funny. It's funny. I will say though, having and I, I think I'll probably make a video on this because I think it'd be interesting having a, a version of my song with the actual you on it versus you know virtual you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I will say that I'd probably say the the plugging gets like you know 90 percent of the way there yeah but that extra 10%... i can tell you what the 10 percent is i can tell you exactly what the 10 percent is too yeah what is it so it's 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 just is the it position our... that you there okay. everything is played in yeah like that like for the example that intro riff that like that's you the way you programmed that it's all open a and like um like second fret of the G string to get the octave, yeah. right? Where as where I would play it, you would play it, it would be like, it would be on the E, like fifth fret of the E and then the octave. So you get, it's a bit more warmer and it's just the position makes more sense. So that's where, that's where I can tell things are like Umansky bass you or can, like, or I could tell like a guitar player did it. Well, you can force the specific strings on the plugin. Hey, oh no. Oh, you, oh no, you can. Which but that's, it's just, that's even more know, time to do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. So that's just one thing I see a lot of like people who hire me who are using Umansky yeah. bass on their demos. It's just very much like they're not utilizing the, the force keys or the position knob. It's mainly just like, Hey, I'm just, it's just the riff is the riff. And that's, that's like the biggest thing I see because everyone, like everyone's really good with like the thumping and everything else, but actually like playing it in a realistic position on the instrument, that's where I could be like, okay, cool. That's not a bass player. I definitely, I definitely didn't do a lot of like too much of the velocity thing either. You could do a lot more there. Yeah, dude, you're going to, if you're hiring a real bass player, you don't really need to. I still think though, even if I'd done all that, that there is a difference, you know? Oh, I would hope so. Or else I would just never have a job. it, if you know, and maybe if I'd done more of that, I could have gotten it to close ninety five percent or whatever. But I mean, don't dude, just hire me again. That's the thing, yeah. But the thing is, it just <laughs> there's something about 
having the real musician like once you throw it in once i threw it into the mix i was like yes this just sounds like there it's it's not like infinitely better but it's better it's enough better that it's important for me to have that you know yeah absolutely um, absolutely there's just certain, yeah there's just certain things that you know the a real musician would catch you know and yeah like on on my record i i programmed all the drums and then i had nathan do almost too much to a t of what i programmed um and he he absolutely crushed it but just all those little little things that i would never have thought of and you know it was just yeah it's there's nothing nothing beats getting an actual musician i've getting more i've gotten more detail in programming drums because unfortunately i have to release stuff with programmed drums a lot of times because i just don't have the resources to that's all good for a drummer to do so i've gotten more detail on that end of like the drums being like you gotta like you know these velocities are really specific ghost notes and like you know all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff but with bass i'm always just kind of like throw it in there because either i'm going to record it myself or i'm going to hire someone else to do it but (laughs) yeah um, if you want to see someone who's just you know joseph andajar oh yeah he uh he is probably one of the most deadly drum programmers i've ever seen if like you super like listen, specific, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's 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 unnerving. Like you're, it's just like, dude, what the hell? Um, their last song that they released, um, the one that we I played on is called Traveler. Yeah, actually, I I think I did listen to that. There's some really cool cool stuff in that song. Yeah, it's all programmed, and I thought I was like, oh, is Garska playing on this? He goes, no, I programmed it. Nice. And, yeah, no, that's that's high praise there. Yeah. <laughs> well, people make. I'm I'm not saying I'm the best drum programmer out there, but people make a lot of mistakes. The the worst one is just like. Vol- max velocitying everything on the drums yeah. especially yeah. with like really just 127 yeah yeah everything. especially with really fast stuff people do it on bass too i've heard that it just yeah. sounds so unrealistic especially like blast beats or something it's like a drummers can't like hit full speed whole full volume <laughs> yeah. at like 200 beats per minute like that's not something that's possible no uh, but you have to at least understand how the instrument works in order to kind of make yeah. it sound somewhat realistic like, do you, do you play, have you ever, do you play drums? A little bit, yeah. Enough yeah, that okay, I know. Same. And no, but yeah. I've listened to enough good drummers and watched enough instructional material that I kind of understand what drummers do. You know, not that I write fills like drummers would write, but as far as like a mm-hmm. groove goes, it'd be like, yeah, they're going to accent these certain notes. Um, this is what they physically can do on the instrument. The other one I see a lot of times is people will program you know i don't know four drums happening at once or something yeah, like, like that two cymbal like, hits and, and, a, a, snare. and a snare yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh he can't do that unless he's using his third leg for that or whatever but <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah but it's it's kind of this, what i never thought you know when i was learning guitar and stuff that at some point i'd have to figure out the velocities of snare drum hits you know in, yeah in, in yeah I started doing that stuff in high school. Like I started programming drums just because like the drummer who I was working with, like actually, no, the drummer, one of my drummers was sick and then one of them, yeah, I just, yeah, it just wasn't, wasn't happening. So I just got used to just programming ideas so I could just kind of just say, put out like, Hey, this is kind of what I'm going for. Can you do this? Um, but yeah, just having like a, even if it's a small understanding of the instrument, like actually how to play it. Cause I, I, I've been playing drums kind of a little bit since I was like 13, same thing with guitar, you know, like I being able to relay something on another instrument to your bandmate. It's yeah. Having that skill is super useful. Yeah. Very Not useful. just kind of like hoping they get it. Yeah. If you want to do composing of any kind, you have to know 
at least the basics of how the instruments are played, whatever you're writing for, it doesn't mean that you have to be able to physically do it very well, but um, right. it's like, you know, if I have some friends that are video game composers, um, which is really cool, but it's like if you're composing for full orchestras, like you have to know the range of each instrument, you have to know how the articulations sound, you got to know what's physically possible for each instrument to do, and mm-hmm. um, it's, I mean, it's a lot of work <laughs> to, to, yeah. to, to figure that stuff out, but... Um, yeah you get a much better product in the end if you do that absolutely yeah absolutely the guys who were that hit me up for this video game or for this tv show they 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 were like hey we're using um umansky base for the the score but um the streaming service gave us a bigger budget or like whatever company nice. gave them a bigger budget and they're like hey so we thought we would just hire you for the score and i was like oh <laughs> that's super fun i've, I've played on a couple yeah. of video games here there and like it's maybe the most fun i've ever had doing like recording stuff oh dude because it's so yeah it's it's so it's it's so fun and it's like one some sometimes it doesn't take that long no no and, it's, and uh it's yeah, different been, you know it's like a different kind of a thing than yeah my 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 keyboard player and my other project writes for commercials and you know sometimes i get picked up sometimes i don't but you know he'll send me i've done stuff for amazon and like nintendo um and there's like one other one too, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's so fun. It's just so fun to see like, you know, something that isn't written just to be a song. It's just to yeah. be, like, it's structured to, to make this product look cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super cool. Or in the case of, of video games, it's cause it's like, it, nothing's linear, you know, within the game itself. So it's like record a little snippet of something yeah, here and all like piece what you sent me together into something complete. And it's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so why the saying that you play guitar why did you mm-hmm. end up playing bass over guitar um so i got a when i got a guitar i was like seven and i i really liked elvis and i really liked kiss okay i was a huge kiss fan <laughs> um and my dad got me an acoustic guitar and um after like a month of just whatever having it and taking some lessons i discovered that gene simmons because I, I didn't know what a bass was and I just assumed that Gene Simmons played guitar. And then uh, someone told me Gene Simmons played bass. And I told my dad to get me a bass. And, um, and he's like, no. So after, uh, he said, if you play guitar for a year, I'll buy you a bass. So after like six months of playing guitar and, you know, following up with it, he was like, I, I um, kind of wore him down. He got me a bass. And, um, and yeah, I, I just started working on, you know, learning stuff like Green Day and, like all this, you know, kind of basics, basic stuff. And I, I just found that, I don't know. I just, I just, I just gravitated towards the bass more and just like filling the song out the way the bass did, you know, it did more for me than whatever the guitar was doing. Um, and, and yeah, and it, it just kind of, you know, you know, for every guitar player, for every 10 guitar players, there's like two bass players. And out of those two bass players, like one of them is going to be good. Yeah. It's definitely and, um, probably easier to stand out in this style of music, especially. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not dude. I mean, yeah, um, it's definitely yeah. And with when I was younger, I was you know learning the metal stuff. I was started getting really into like Avenged Sevenfold when things out were like really like that was like the techiest thing I'd discovered. Yeah. And then from there, I discovered Dream Theater, which I was into for a little bit. And then from there, I got into um, Between the Buried and Me, which. Um, really, I think I was like 14 or 15 and that 
is when things really kind of opened up because I, you know, again, it wasn't just the bass doubling the guitar like everything else I'd seen. It was the bass doing these weaving in and out of the riff and like the bass at some point being the main focal point of the song. And that's when I was like, okay, cool. Like this is an instrument that I love, but now this is like, like you can do so much more with this. Yeah. And then, you know, got into like Jocko and Victor Wooten. And then, you know, when I was, yeah, just started learning all like the party tricks, like all the thumping and slapping stuff. And then, you know, when I got into intervals, um, I kind of just, or a little before that, but you know, I just kind of started making all these things my own and, um, trying to come up with my own sound, which was, which was, you know, tricky, especially when everyone's, you know, kind of using the same gear and, you know, cause there's, you know, this formula now that works, which is like the ding wall and dark glass. Um, so yeah, for a while I was just using that basic, the, there's like these, this pickup configuration with the ding wall, which is the, the two rear pickups in, in series, which is like the sound, the nolly sound, if you will. Right. That's what like everyone's using. Yeah. And I found that like it worked cause I used it for, for a couple of years, but with the slap stuff and like finger style, it was just like too nasally and it, it didn't lend itself as the way I wanted it to for the slap articulations. And, and then I, I found this old Dingwall voodoo bass in my friend's dad's um, music shop. And it, and he was a, he was friends with Sheldon Dingwall too, but he had this voodoo bass that was like older than me. Um, and the voodoo is this bass that was, it was like the predecessor to, um, to this guy. So um, it came out. So that one came out first and I played that and it and it sounded, it had this like modern J bass sound and it was just like, cause it was using the neck pickup and the, the bridge. And that was like what I was going for. So, uh, the next Nam, I talked to them and I was like, Hey, what do I have to do to get a bass like <laughs> that? And, you know, I've been using their bases for a while. So they were just like, Hey, just email us and we'll sort it out. And then, nice. yeah, so that, that, yeah, it took, it took me a second to kind of figure out my sound, but this, the, the modern, I think I like the, the pickup configuration because it, it kind of sets, uh, it's one, it sets me apart from a lot of the other like sound, like the, the typical metal sounds and two, it just, this particular configuration, in my opinion, just lends itself better to finger style and slapping and thumping and stuff like that. And you can kind of hear it. That's the one thing I hate is when everyone's like, Oh, another dingwall and dark glass. It's like, no, they sound completely different. You're just you just you're not you can make them listening. sound different you know yeah yeah it's like people are just they see it and they're like oh no this is just another metal this is just another dingwall video and yep. it bums me out when i see people commenting on like other people's videos like oh dingwall dark glass blah 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 boring it's like dude no this dude sounds sick and you're just an ass does this person sound <laughs> you know? good is that's all that matters i mean how many how many guitar players yeah. famous guitar players have played strats it's like right right that dude right or it's like it's like someone be like, oh, everyone these days in metal is using uh, a Dingwall and Dark Glass. It's like, well, are you going to give all the Motown players for <laughs> shit for playing P basses with flats? No, because well, that's what that's what sounds best. You just have you know? to ignore people on the Internet for the most part. Oh, for sure. They, if, just, if, it, if Steve Ray Vaughan yeah. was alive today, you'd pe people on the Internet would be like, oh, look at him. He's just using the same stuff that Eric Clapton used or whatever. You yeah, know what I mean? exactly. It's, it's like, Yeah, it's so... It's, I think, yeah, just people, I don't know, and especially in like the progressive metal genre, they're so like snobby oh, and they can yeah, be just so, me, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, it's, 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 
you know, I just, I just don't like seeing that. And I like when they, when someone just posts a video using a dingwall on a dark glass and it sounds incredible and they're just like, Oh, there's another dingwall dark glass video. It's like, dude, well, like they sound amazing and there's a reason why everyone's using them. Um, but yeah, I, I was definitely, I definitely had that like flea or, uh, or not flea, but, um, do you know, Tim Cumberford from, uh, Rage Against the Machine? Well, I mean, obviously Rage Against the Machine. But. Yeah. So their <laughs> bass player, he used a music man. And um, everyone kept comparing him to Flea, yeah, because that's what Flea was using, and they were both doing that like hard rock funk kind of thing. Yeah. So he switched over to Fender, just because whatever. And then Flea switched to Fender, then he switched <laughs> back to Music Man. Yeah. Mm. So when I first started playing Dingwall, you know, I definitely tried to avoid that like feeling of like, oh, I'm using the same thing as this other guy in metal, um, and more so just try to hone in on. You know, because I didn't want to change my instrument because this is the, there's nothing better for me than like a dingwall. Like yeah. you're the best playing bass is best sounding. So rather than just like getting discouraged, I kind of just honed in on what I liked and tried to find, you know, different, I use different pickup, messed around with different pickups, different pickup configurations, different woods. So that's kind of how I landed on where I'm at today yeah. and that's basic this is basically like we're developing a sig and it's basically just going to be based off of all the woods and pickups nice. in that guy i yeah. you know gear in this in this realm of you know bedroom guitarists and musicians gear is is such a big thing but at the yeah. end of the day it's like if you don't know how to use it it's just a tool it doesn't really matter you know exactly exactly much. It's mm-hmm. like you could make amazing music on a two hundred dollar guitar if you know what you're doing. It's like Yeah, dude, listen to loathe. I mean gear is great. Gear is super helpful and you know, yeah. having nice gear is good. It helps make things easier, but Yes. Yeah. It doesn't make up for for not being a good musician or not having your own sound. Hundred percent. Um and like you you were doing you're playing with your fingers too. I mean that's already different than yeah no for sure there was there was no there was no question that what i was doing was it it was different it was like just when i first started playing that black ng yeah and like when i was and i was still fairly new to the like intervals and the whole scene and i was just putting out dark like just putting out my videos i was just very much like you know i don't read really read like I like to read comments when they're, you know, constructive and stuff. And sometimes you stumble upon one. And when I was, you know, starting out, it was very much like, oh my God, dude, like people just won't let this go (laughs) (laughs) about about the, you know, just the dingwall and dark glass thing. And, but it's cool, man. Like, you know, I, it doesn't really phase me at at all, but yeah, it was very much like a, when I first started out, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to like, let put this aside and just do my own thing. And then, now we're here. Yeah, you just gotta if you if you believe in what you're doing and, and how you sound, it's like just go for it, do what you do, and you know people can they can like it if they yeah. want, if not, whatever, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Just try to try to be yourself. It's you know, especially being a guitar player, it's even probably even harder because there's like a billion guitar. Oh yeah, players. there's way more of you guys. Yeah, and I I, I don't <laughs> like I'm a little bit older than most people are on Instagram and stuff. Like I'm not a big fan of that kind of Instagram guitar scene. Um, I don't know. No, there's people who do it. There's, there's people, people who, who do, do it well, well and then there's people who are very cringe and and inauthentic. Like I think there's some like there's some guitar players that I'll shout out that I think are really amazing. That I think I mean they definitely do more like. Um, 
video stuff than actual playing live. But the way they approach their content, I, I like that. Like Connor Kaminsky, you yep. know him yep. from the UK. He's great. Like Charlie Robbins. Yep. Also, like, yeah. So like, and I don't like calling them Instagram guitar players, but that's, you know, the only are, reason yeah. I'm calling them. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason I'm calling that is because that's how I discovered them. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's people who do that kind of stuff really well. The cons- the content is really cool, and they're playing. They're you know the stuff they're writing is genuine. They're not just like writing stuff to put out content, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I yeah, there's definitely some some good guys and some. Yeah, some, I think that's, maybe that's one of my approaches. biggest problems is there's been a lot of people that will write music specifically for Instagram. You know, yeah. Maybe like I'm gonna write something that's 30 seconds long. Like it's different if you're just sharing a riff that you wrote or whatever yeah. or sharing part of a song. That's usually what I'll do. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like when I wrote, started writing that song that you played on, like I originally was intending it just to be like a short demo, but it eventually turned into a whole song because I just much prefer to have an entire song that actually goes somewhere, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. But with Instagram, people are scrolling or TikTok or whatever. And they're like, it's like instant gratification, right? They want like 30 seconds of the coolest thing you can do. And it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, yeah, it's yeah. That, it, that's rough. <laughs> that can that can be rough it, but uh being a social yeah. media like having to promote yourself on social media is it's it's great because you can get yourself out there to a lot of people but it's also you're also putting yourself out there to yeah a lot of but it's also there's it's so oversaturated and it's, it can be super demoralizing because you're you're you know spend 20 hours on something and you get like 200 views or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah dude yeah i'm i'm really like i like post i post quite a bit but i i like that you know, a lot of my, my work is just, it's all, I mean, a, a lot of my clients, they'll, they'll, they find me on my website or they find me on like my Instagram or from intervals, which is cool. But I'm just glad that like, I don't, I'm not really super reliant, like, you know, I'm not really crazy reliant on like yeah. the social media stuff to like, you know, to like make a living. You know, I, I have my, my students, I do my session work and granted all that stems from the, the Instagram stuff, but I don't really have to like do too much of that to to kind of keep things going which you don't is feel good, like you have it, to post every single day you know no literally i posted like two seconds before we started this yeah, talk but <laughs> but but no it's um you know a lot of my stuff is just you know either just stuff that i'm working on or just playthroughs that i'll put out but yeah it's nothing is really too i'll do these like riff challenges because i think those are fun but it's it's not like where i'll just write a riff and then i'll have someone I'll do like a contest of who can, you know, play it the best or whatever. Yeah. But again, it's nothing, nothing too, uh, I don't know, hopefully not too cringe or, or anything <laughs> like that. But, yeah. uh, yeah, like doing, doing the Instagram stuff is, is fine. And like, I work with Scott's bass lessons on some stuff. So that's, that's really cool too. That's but cool. it's all again, like all these, like if it's an internet thing, you know, it's gotta be authentic and, and cool for me to want to yeah. do it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for coming in and chatting with me absolutely today. man thanks for having me it's just super sick and so, if you got any other tunes yeah yeah what uh <laughs> yeah we'll, i got more stuff coming up we'll see <laughs> uh, um if if people want to find you where's the best place to do that um my website is jacobumansky.com okay. and my instagram is just at jacobumansky okay. um and my project uh that's coming out uh, next year is called uh, Gia, and you can find us on Instagram as at We Are Gia J I A. Okay, very cool. All right, thank you. Yeah, dude. <laughs> all right, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, you Talk too. Talk soon, all right? <laughs> Bye. Peace. 